The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It is nine minutes after, well, just a tad under 10 minutes after 10 a.m. this morning. This is the Friday edition of The Talking Point, uh, and we're bringing you a very, very special conversation. I'm joined in studio by a man with many titles, uh, one of which is the, the paramount chief of the Bangwato tribal lands. I'm joined I'm, I'm joined by President Ian Khama. His Excellency, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. You're very um, let's see, if, can we get that mic on? Great. Uh, can I just ask that we remove those headphones so we can hear you very, very clearly. Good morning, Mr. President. Are you well? I am well, thank you. Um, I hope you are too. You seem to be at home. I last, I, I randomly saw you <laughs> one particular day at a mall here in Johannesburg. I won't mention the name, but it's very close to here. And I was like, wow, that's very casual. Um, your time in South Africa, has has it been treating you well? Yes, it has. And um, not only my time, but even the people of South Africa. Mm. I'm very grateful to them for their support and um, their, their, their um, concern about uh, my situation. But yeah, certainly, the being in South Africa is like being in a second home mm. because we have so much in common, as you'd be aware of. You told my colleague, Kaili Lekumalo, that you are not uh, running away, that you are not a fugitive. What would you consider your status to be in South Africa? Well, you know, that's a good question. Because when you combine the two, it's something of a combination of both of those. Because when I came here initially, it was at the invitation of former President Obasanjo of Nigeria. He was visiting your country and uh, he had heard about what was going on yeah. in Botswana. And uh, he wanted to meet with me to see if there was anything he could do to try to bring about an end to the undesirable way that I was being treated. So that's how I came across. And then after I crossed, there became a flurry of activity in Botswana against my property, against my family, by the regime back there. And um, I just thought, well, let me just sit this out for some time and see which direction it's going to go. So your persecution started when you left the country? No, no, no. Right soon after I left office, actually. You were persecuted then? Yes. Right so from that time. three attempts on your life, you, yes. one of them being an attempt at poisoning. What were the other two? I know, I, I know of one from right. a whistleblower. The other... Three that were referred to, I don't know whether it includes that one or they were in addition, in other words, making it four, um, that came from diplomatic uh, sources. Mm. Yes. Your siblings are also out of the country? Yes, they indeed they are. Where are they? Uh, they're in South Africa, um, but some of their, other, their family are in other countries as we speak. So... Outside of the persecution and attempts on your life, mm. you have faced legal battles. Yep. The first was a claim that you had stolen 10 billion US dollars thrown out by the high court. The second was that you had unlicensed firearms or that members of your security and protection had unlicensed firearms. What happened to that case? So that one is still ongoing. That one is still ongoing. It wasn't members of my security. It was me, only me. Um, that I had unlicensed firearms. 
And what's interesting is that when they quoted the weapons that they said were unlicensed, they actually quoted the serial numbers of the weapons. And they could only have got those serial numbers from the police who are responsible for licensing firearms. Mm. So if they had never had possession of my weapons, where did they get the serial numbers from? So this thing was just yet another fabrication. The 10 billion one, um, recently the Court of Appeal uh, ruled in favor of the young lady who they had decided to charge. You see, that one I wasn't even charged, even though I was supposed to have been the kingpin, yeah. you know. Um, but they targeted her because, and they locked her up, thinking that because she was a young lady and maybe f would feel vulnerable to being imprisoned, uh, they went to her and said, if you implicate Kama and another gentleman called Kosi, we will release you from detention. And she refused because she said, they have done nothing wrong. I've done nothing wrong. So the intention was that had she implicated us. Within context, did this young lady work in your office? No, she didn't work in my office, no. So um, so then what happened, she, was, she, was, she works in the intelligence services. Right, yeah. right. So, so the idea was that then they would have an excuse to arrest me because that was the whole idea, was to arrest me, put me away, remove me out of the scene altogether. Either through um, elimination, which they attempted in 2019, or through this fabricated uh, um, theft story, the affidavit. Um, so the only person they could then get their hands on was her, mm. and therefore she's gone through the process of the courts, right up to the Court of Appeal, which is the highest court in the country, which, as you said, have thrown out everything and granted us permission to sue the government for this fabrication. Are you suing the government? Definitely, without doubt. Um, for how much? All, 10 all, billion? <laughs> all of us will be. No, it'll be more than 10 billion, I can assure you. There's a lot of reputational damage. Yeah. And you see, when you have someone like Masisi, who himself directly presided over this fabrication with the head of the intelligence called Mahosi, um, then you have to realize that the 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 where we are as a country, as a state, where a so-called president can himself immerse himself in a fabrication and undermine the rule of law is very serious. Mm. Mm. So this poor lady has recently been reinstated. So then the question is that, okay, then what was she being charged? Why was she being charged if now they've had to reinstate her? So the whole thing was fabricated, plus the fact that they implicated South African financial institutions, which for them didn't bother them that they would be causing um, harm to relations between Botswana and South to, Africa. To that, how would you describe present day? Because you're in, in contact with President Ramaphosa. How would you describe present day diplomatic relations between Botswana and South Africa? You know, I just want to say, maybe it's for me, this would be the right time to say it at the beginning of this interview, that... When I was president, I had a ministry, what you call international relations, at my disposal. We had diplomats in other countries at my disposal, and we interacted with other governments. So the information that I would get on that kind of question was at my fingertips on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't have access to those people uh, anymore. So I cannot describe to you what 
the relations are between Botswana and South Africa. But I can make a guess that I would be, if I was the South African government, not amused by the fact that uh, a country which is supposed to be a friendly neighboring country would accuse our financial institutions, South African financial institutions, of... Um, uh, what you call it, uh, uh, of money laundering and financing and terrorism. Abetting. Yeah. Plus, also allowing mercenaries to train in your country and attempt to go and assassinate Masisi and Mahosi. That is the latest that they have been trying to put out. My goodness. Mr. President, three weeks ago you said you're ready to go back home. Yes. Why? I said, well, why? Because that's my home. You know that's my home. That's where I come from, and 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 um, I have been extremely fortunate uh, that I've been so well received here in South Africa. One doesn't want to uh, overstay one's welcome or take advantage of the gracious nature of the my 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 hosts here. Um, but there's an election coming. Yes, an election next year, and I have to get on the campaign campaign trail to ensure that I fix the mistake that I made by doing whatever I can to make sure that my CC is removed at the next elections. And all this poisoning and harassment is all around that, that I should be removed at any cost uh, in order to um, reduce the influence that I would have on the population of Botswana in ensuring that they are voted out of office. So two questions to that. Would you feel safe in Botswana today? Definitely not. After everything they've attempted, and we have people, we have sources within the intelligence service who feed us information, who tell us what would happen to me on my return. But, you know, it just gets to the stage you say, well, let them do it. You know, I've spoken enough. People have heard what I've had to say. Uh, Now they need to see uh, what Mm. will happen. And like I said, there's also the family, you know, because they're out, they're collateral damage because of me. So I think... uh, they are no, they are not happy living outside their country as well. So at some stage, one has got to make a move and see what happens. The, the warrant of arrest on your name hasn't expired. Um, they could may they may well arrest you upon arrival in in Botswana. In, in fact, they thought fear? they thought I was going back for the new year. It was it was it was um, a, a story which was doing the rounds. So you would so just before the new year. They came out with that warrant of arrest, uh, got a magistrate to sign the warrant of arrest. And in the first warrant of arrest, there were two, by the way. The first one was so full of mistakes, they didn't even have my name on it. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how clumsy they, they get and how desperate they were. So the thing was that, you know, here's a warrant of arrest for a court case which had not even started. Because those charges came around this time last year. And they just keep constantly you know the case keeps being postponed 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 Mm. so we are having the the charges reviewed before our high court and that's where that's where it is at the moment yeah yeah so i I want us to get into the upcoming election in a short while i I want us to speak about the uh, the ongoing matters within udc but before we get there i want to ask you this question i'm going to ask you for a moment to remove yourself from the persecution you're facing by the state in Botswana today and ask you to answer this question as best as you possibly can. What w- how would you describe the state of government in Botswana today? Do you think the people of Botswana 
are better off today than they were five years ago? You know, you've asked me to remove myself. Yeah. It's very difficult. Because what I'm going through, others are also going through in the country. Maybe not to the same extent, uh, but certainly others are doing it. Um, as you would understand, the free flow of people between our countries goes on on a daily basis. You can imagine how many people from Botswana I meet when they're coming down here, how many I talk to on an ongoing basis. And everyone is talking about regime change. They want these people gone like yesterday. And don't just take it from me. Take it from many Botswana. I'm sure you've interacted with them. Mm -hmm. You know people from, from Botswana. I would just say, please ask them their opinion of, 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 the, of the country uh, today as we speak. Look at the rankings and the ratings. Um, even recently, there was something about the fact that, you know, you, our corruption index, we have declined. On our democracy, we have declined. Uh, interference in the judiciary has been, uh, has been highlighted under, under Masisi. So, and, and as we speak today, I think he's in America. You know, he's always traveling always traveling um, and on, on missions I don't know a single mission that he's traveled on which has been any benefit uh, mm. to our country so definitely you can ask them Botswana is worse off than it was five years ago and I was hoping it would be in a better place than it was five years mm, ago mm. here are some victories that the Masisi administration is claiming one of that being that the economy is in a stronger position. They highlight the De Beers Diamond Joint Venture, saying that under the Kama administration, the country only got 10% out of that. We now get 25% amounting to nearly 60 billion pula per year that the government benefits from. And they're trying to push that up to 50-50 uh, so that the government can uh, benefit 50%, making it more than 120 billion pula that the government will be able to reap out of as benefit from that joint venture. They say that's an economic achievement that they've been able to achieve uh, that you stood in the way of. What's your, what's your comment on that? You know, this thing of standing in the way of during our time and my predecessor's time, Remohai, we negotiated a, a, a new arrangement with uh, De Beers, which allowed us 15, not 10, 15% sales of diamond production through a uh, um, state-owned enterprise called the Okavango Diamond Company. Yeah. <clears throat> that was the start at 15%. So it's, not, it's, it's wrong for them to say it's misleading to say we stood in the way of it because the understanding was always that from 15%, it would continue up to 20, 25% in subsequent years. So when I said earlier on that I would have hoped that five years down the line, Botswana would be in a better position than it was five years ago, that is the, that is the normal expectation that people build on the foundation that has been laid. So for them to have said that is what was supposed to happen anyway. We were the ones who set the foundation for that to be able to happen. And mm. they have just ridden on our achievements. Mm. Um, you mentioned that if you ask Botswana on the ground, what if they are better off today than five years ago, that uh, you, would, you would get the real temperature check there and you would get an understanding that they're not. Then why is it the case that they kept BDP in power? In 2019. They rigged the elections. 
They didn't. The UDC won that election in, in, in 2019. There's an entity here called Forensics for Justice. They had a press conference straight after that election. And um, I can share with you the, the, the press conference if you, if you want to see it um, and of what they revealed. And subsequently, even then, other whistleblowers have come forward to say how the, uh, the elections were manipulated to favor, uh, to favor uh, Masisi. And in 2019 was the first time since independence that the BDP that you referred to lost their stronghold because of what we accomplished. So if they lost their strongholds and the UDC had its stronghold, how did the UDC lose in its stronghold without the elections being rigged? Of course they were rigged. Which, which, which would be a, a, a BDP stronghold? Bangwato? That, yeah, that area, the central district. Um, there, there was um, the heart of it, uh, Soroe, where I come from, yeah. three constituencies, have voted BDP right from independence for the first time ever. All three at the same time, uh, they lost in 2019. And other constituencies in that central district, they also lost, which were their strongholds. So they thought that uh, rigging the southern part of the country mostly, where the UDC had their strongholds, rigging that plus winning in the central district mm. would give them the re desired result. So they didn't expect. So I campaigned very hard in the central district to ensure that they would lose most of their yeah. stronghold seats. Well, Duma Boko remained the candidate for the alliance. For the, for the UDC. For, 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 for the UDC. As far as I'm aware, yes, he is going to be the UDC. Uh, he's the UDC president as we speak, and I'm sure he'll be their presidential candidate. And you will support him? Oh, without a doubt. If that is what our party decides that is going to throw in its, its lot with the UDC in the form of a pact or an alliance, um, it's quite possible that we would then not present a presidential candidate mm. and 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 rally behind him to that effect that's how you, we've been winning all the by-elections yeah to that effect do you think duma boko has been an effective leader i mean uh, the, the 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 coalition lost uh, the botswana congress party i'm not aware the botswana congress party have left the udc as we speak they they put out I a know, statement yeah i know i know they there are problems between <laughs> the two and 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 that there are some in the bcp the Congress Party, who have wanted to leave the UDC, but there are a good number who want to remain within the UDC. So this is something they're going to have to sort out themselves. Mm. Should the UDC win elections, do you see yourself playing a role in government again? No. I've, I've done my part. I only see my role as ensuring that there is a change, a regime change come 2024, and hopefully step away from politics like I intended doing when I left in 2018, <laughs> yeah. but I remained engaged because um, I realized that I had um, uh, burdened the nation uh, with with this 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 kind of leadership, uh, the self-centered leadership we have today. You, you you often say you made a mistake, yes, uh, by endorsing Masisi as president and 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 hand effectively the reins over to him. Right. At the time. What did you see in Masisi that made you think he could be a good successor? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, we had a party caucus meeting. And there was a lot of speculation as to who was going to 
be my vice president because that vice president was going to succeed me. So I put it to the caucus in a secret ballot to say to them, come up with names. First time it's ever happened, because usually you just go on your own because the president has the prerogative to choose his vice president, who should then go on to be endorsed by parliament. And I was given, I think, five names, five or six names. My CC was fourth on that list. The other three, uh, one was my brother, and as far as I'm concerned, that would not be appropriate to make my brother my vice president. I mean, you've already been accused of being a a dynasty family. (laughs) Well, I mean, a dynasty family in what way? Because you see, look at the gap between when my father died. There were two presidents between him. I didn't succeed my father. Sure. So, you know, when he died in 1980, um, then my Syria uh, uh, took over until, you know, 1998, around there 98, mm. 99 and then Mohai came in and did another 10 years so and I was brought in when you talk about dynasty remember I've said it many times it was not my intention to go into politics I was in the mm. army and very happy in the army I'd not do you still hold your politics. lieutenant rank lieutenant general Lieutenant General. Yes, yes, you've demoted me. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies, Mr. President. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. want us to take a quick break, and on the other side of this, I want you to explain how Masisi then went from fourth on the list to to one. But before we do, Mr. President, let's just take a quick break. It is half past ten, and Musa has your news news headlines. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. I'm opening the lines. Give us a call. 86 2032 You can also send us a WhatsApp voice note on the WhatsApp line. 0614-104-107. Tweet me at Oliver underscore speaking. That's on Twitter. Oliver Dixon on Facebook. If you're in Botswana, you can also send us a voice note. If you're listening, I know many uh, Botswana are listening. You can just add the country code plus 27 to that WhatsApp line number and send us that WhatsApp voice note at 0614-104-107. I'm in conversation uh, with His Excellency President Ian Khama. Mr. President, before we went to the break, you, you said there was a list. Your brother was second on the list and you thought that would not be appropriate. What then happened subsequent to that? So no, after that then there were others on the list when my first vice president, uh, John Mirafe, who, yeah. who, who unfortunately um, died uh, in office, um, came from Suroy, where I come from. And then uh, he was succeeded by someone else who came from my, uh, in the central district as well. Um, and I just thought, if I then took one of them, and there was, there were, after my brother, there were two others who came from Soroe or the central district. Yeah. So all the people who were in the top three came from Soroe or the central district. And I just thought, you know, it will perpetuate the situation. We have to be sensitive to this that are we saying that the president, the vice president should always and only come from one part of the country? Hmm. So my Sisi was on the fourth of the li- on fourth on the list. Um, he came from another part of the country. I had worked with him. He was a minister, and I thought, well, let me go with him. Um, I think his father had been 
in my father's cabinet. He had been in my cabinet. Uh, I thought he had enough, um, although he hadn't had a lot of experience in cabinet, but I thought he had sufficient. Um, and if I compare myself, when I came in as vice president, I had had no experience in, in politics. I came straight from the army. So, and I'm sure he'll find his feet and he'll grow into it. Um, so that's why I, I decided to mm. choose him. Mm. Yeah. So I, I did that and I stood by him, you know, during congresses, even when uh, for party positions now, uh, even against my own brother, I stood by him. And, and uh, because now he was my, my vice president. And, and, and even though there, were, there was even a cabinet revolt, sort of, I can call it that way. A lot of cabinet ministers came to see me in my office, either individually or in twos or threes, to say, this vice president of ours that you have selected uh, has shown himself to be immature, to be divisive and intolerant. And we please dump him, get rid of him so that he doesn't become president because he's just the wrong person. And even despite that, we even had a two-day cabinet retreat just to discuss this matter because he uh, was found to be unfit but I still stood by him regrettably I still stood so by was him. your mistake not listening to the warnings yes because they matter because cause because the thing is you see when I interact with people you know when you're a president people portray a different side to themselves than if you were not president. I think that's human nature. Yeah. So when, when he, when I was working with him and we were meeting and discussing issues and everything else, he, he was very supportive, very loyal, very enthused with the policies and programs and wanting to be the one in the forefront to go and disseminate them to the, to the nation. So I had no inkling that this man had another side to him um, which has since so surfaced. so President Masisi wasn't at the time as Minister Masisi appointing family members into jobs as we now know him to do. It's the Donald Trump syndrome, isn't it? I mean, who would have thought that with all the years of a democracy, the United States was that we would see on January the sixth in that year that insurrection mm. where Donald Trump was sending his supporters to go and, 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 and invade the capital because he couldn't tolerate the fact that yeah. uh, he had lost an election. And his whole presidency was about self-interest. That's what we see in Botswana. We thought we were immune as a country yeah. to what is, we've seen happen in other countries. I, I, it's interesting that you make that example because I now want us to move away from, from domestic politics in Botswana and now move to some continental and international affairs. Um, I, I do want to, us to chat a, a little bit about the Russia and Ukraine war going on. But before we get there, I want to start in Swaziland. When you were SADC chair, what was the conversation around democratizing Swaziland that you think should have been listened to in a lot more detail, given what has subsequently happened over the last four years? activists being killed and persecuted in in Swaziland um, because they are trying to bring about democracy. Uh, King Umswati ruling with an iron fist effectively um, and people in Swaziland going poorer and poorer. There was an opportunity for regional intervention there. Is that opportunity missed? Swaziland then Eswatini today. Um, 
was never on the SADC agenda. When I was SADC chair, uh, actually one of the summits that I chaired, uh, I think, was that when I was handing over, um, was, was, was in Swaziland then, as it was then. And if SADC had felt that there was an issue that had to be taken up uh, about uh, uh, the kingdom, it would have been on its agenda. At that time, the countries on the agenda were countries like Lesotho, countries like Zimbabwe, and I think even, if I'm, my memory serves me well, I think even Madagascar. But it never came to the summit as an issue. Mm. You would hear, of course, that there were murmurings about mm. democracy and everything. When, when, I, when I interacted, as I did a lot then, um, with people from Swaziland, Eswatini, um, I think the vast majority, when I used to ask them, who would you like to see as your head of state? It was always the king. The Swazis felt that the king is the symbol of their culture, of their traditions, of their nation, of their nation, just like the king of the Amazulu. You know, without the king, that the traditions and culture that we associate with the Zulu nation um, would not be the same. Um, but the difference is that the Zulu nation is part of South Africa, whereas the Swati nation is an independent uh, yeah, kingdom. Entirety. Yeah, so the king still stands as the symbol of uh, of their nation, their traditions, and their culture. So yes, the 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 the, the matter didn't they didn't it didn't surface. Right. Yeah. Are you worried about what's going on there? You know, I am a someone who believes a lot in democracy, but if, when, and where. What do I mean by that? I believe in democracy if it works, when it works, and where it works. And the best test for me is you say, go to people who supposedly live in democracies and ask them if democracy is working for them. Coming back to Botswana, ask them, is democracy working for you with growing unemployment, growing inequality, uh, growing corruption, um, growing poverty? Obviously, it's not. Mm. So what model do you want on? When I used to talk to people from Eswatini, they used to say, but you know, look what's happening in some of the other countries in our own region. See how politics is creating instability. Is that the way we want to go? Mm. So we need to come out with our own formula, our own formula, which is tailor-made to their particular situation, which includes the king in one way or the other. So it's for them to decide what role with the king they want him to play. Does he have full executive power, <clears throat> partial executive power, or no executive power? That is for them. And, and I say, you know, don't impose anything on them mm. which doesn't work. Let's make sure it works. You've just had elections in Nigeria. Nigeria is a democracy. But there's conflict going on in that country. Uh, the, the elections have, are, are in dispute the two main uh, rivals are going to court. Mm. Um, and that happens in a lot of countries 
which call themselves, why are we unable to have in our democracies uh, free, fair and credible elections without anybody wanting to dispute, having to the need to dispute? Botswana is supposed to be a democracy, but they resorted to rigging the elections. They are undermining the rule of law in that country. So what model do we want for Eswatini? And when you're fighting for democracy, should you engage in violence and killings? So I think really peaceful protests, if they want to, you know, I'm told is permissible, permitted. But where you have protests which turn violent, I'm not sure that those people who are engaging in that kind of violence can be the true representatives of democracy. Mm. So it has to be something where, I guess, maybe some kind of dialogue that needs to be needs to be happening. But then again, we shouldn't single out Eswatini. I mean, Africa today, I think about quarter of the continent's countries are engaged in one a conflict in one form or the other. There are continents in the world where there's no conflict going on. But in every region of Africa, there's a conflict going on. In the southern region, eastern, western, central and northern regions of the continent. We have entrenched leaders who have entrenched themselves in their positions as presidents. Uh, a lot of the countries in Africa, um, you know, not a lot, sorry, some countries in Africa are the most corrupt in the world. There's a lot of famine. There is conflict. There's this entrenched leadership. Um, we can do much better than this, much, much better. What will it take? Is the African Union sufficiently equipped to have peace and stability talks across the continent, for instance? Uh, the DRC's conflict is not new. The instability in the country is not new. It's, 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 it's very old. It's as old as the country itself. But yet we have African bodies, regional geopolitical bodies on the continent that have been unable to bring an end to that level of conflict, instability, famine, um, and, and, and death. What will it take? But you know, for when all these conflicts start, they're internal conflicts. So yes, the AU, I think, have tried, even now, the regional initiative to try to bring stability to that DRC. Um, even here, South Africa has tried to be, um, uh, played a role in trying to bring an end to that conflict, but yet it perpetuates. At the end of the day, any conflict is going to be resolved by the people themselves. Yeah. It started, the AU didn't start that conflict in the DRC. So there, for it to end, will have to be a solution from within the country itself. The AU and the rest of us can only be involved in trying to facilitate and mediate right. and promote um, dialogue to bring an end to the conflict. But eventually it's the people of the DRC who've got to get to grips with their problem and end it. Yeah. There's, there's a battle for the hearts and minds of Africa between the West, being America and the EU, as well as... China and Russia, on the other hand, separately and perhaps in certain instances collectively. Similarly, a lot of people are describing the Russian invasion of Ukraine as a proxy war uh, through which certain parts of the continent will suffer as collateral. South Africa took a non-aligned position on this particular matter, saying, <laughs> let's talk. We're not going to take a side. Uh, 
when you as a former head of state look at what's going on in, in with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, do you think at all about what you would have advised your ambassador at the United Nations to vote? I would definitely vote him to condemn Russia. Like the vast majority of countries in the General Assembly even recently voted to condemn Russia, as they have done maybe, I think, on two previous occasions. Just like the uh, United Nations Human Rights um, uh, Commissioner has done and the United Nations Secretary General himself has done. Because when you have a country which blatantly violates the United Nations Charter and international law, um, you have to condemn that because we are part of a community of nations. And when you look at things that affect people, when we came together in the United Nations, it was to be able to avoid this kind of situation. That's why the Security Council was set up to promote international peace and security. But when you have two countries, China and Russia, who themselves are threatening, are the biggest threat to peace and security in this world, then we have a problem. Yeah. You know, so I think, um, you know, what Russia has done is, is I'm, I'm, I'm not talk, I'm not going to talk about South Africa's position. I'm talking about my position <laughs> and, and my position is aligned with yeah. the Secretary General of the UN who represents all of us and it's aligned to the majority in the General Assembly who voted to condemn Russia. Are you wary of Chinese imperialism in Africa, particularly Southern and East Africa? I don't know if I would call it imperialism, but we are certainly aware, having been president, of the attempts by China to try to dominate and influence uh, the, the, the uh, um, uh, what's the word? Um, to, to influence, you know, the outcome, you know, whether it's in Africa or the rest of the world, using their uh, their, their, their economic muscle uh, to do that. They were trying to portray it as a win-win situation. But I can tell you from my experience in my country, it certainly was not win-win. And that's why uh, we, during my time at least, cracked down on Chinese, uh, uh, what you call it, um, Chinese presence in our country because they just wanted to offload their people into Botswana. We have our own employment challenges. My responsibility is not to employ Chinese people. So yes, if they want to invest and then just bring in a company which has a few Chinese nationals who'd be operating and managing that company, but all the downstream activities, all the employment and everything should be done by our own citizens. Mm. Importing of materials, construction materials, they wanted all that to come from China. Um, so we just said, no, it's not going to happen. And I spoke to many people from across this continent who would privately tell me that they resented the degree to which they had allowed the Chinese to influence their economies with their presence Are these former in their heads countries. Of state? Yes. Wow. The lines are open. 086-000-2032. Give us a call. 086-000-2032. Mamvu Yiswa, you've been holding on for quite a while. My apologies. Mr. President, can I ask you that you put your headphones on? Thank you. Yeah, those ones. Just a sec so we can hear you loud and clear. Yes, those headphones just over your head. 
There we go. Mamvisa, what's your question? Question? What's your comment? My 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 my, my comment is that um, you know we we need to pray as a continent and the peoples of the continent that such a incident that the president is going through, you know, such, such phenomena should be so amicable in, in, a, in, a, in a good manner, you know, because uh, Botswana is one country that gave me refuge at a tender age, and I, I respect the country for that. It became my exit to the entire world of exile where I grew up, because I, we were living under tumultuous conditions back home, losing my parents for apartheid. So such, uh, uh, you know, cases, they, they worry me so much. I get concerned because We've got issues to solve uh, in Africa. Yeah. And uh, we must be able to solve our own houses and, and make it easy. You know, stability, that's what we need. So I just want to say to him, be strong, you know, and be strong with your family. And uh, I hope Mother Universe will help to solve this problem. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. President, do you want to comment on that? Yes, no, well, first of all, let me thank you very much for your your support. Um, I, I do appreciate uh, what you said. Um, I would like to inform you that there have been a number of attempts by uh, some leaders in the region, uh, former leaders on the continent, elders back at home, to try to find reconciliation. And um, it's just regrettable that they were all rejected by, by, by Masisi. Um, about a month ago, he made some conciliatory remarks, um, which people thought that, okay, no, this is, a, this is a change. And I said, well, I'm surprised because um, what he said in those remarks is exactly what others have been trying to achieve through reconciliation. So I said, fine, no, um, we're ready to talk if that's what he's trying to suggest. Um, but it then went quiet, um, and he never followed up his own words of, of, of uh, his own conciliatory works. So, so it, it just shows that uh, he wasn't being sincere on, on, that, on, that, on that occasion. Mamvisa, thank you so much for your call. Would you meet with him, Mr. President? You know, any conflict, Russia, Ukraine, you mentioned, Israel, the Palestinians, uh, what's been going on in Ethiopia, no matter how much it has brought about um, dislike for one another, even hate for one another, resentment, will only be resolved by sitting down together and having a chat to resolve. That's the only way. For as long as that doesn't happen, it will just go on. President Masisi has been to South Africa a number of times over the last two years. Uh, was that not an opportunity perhaps to, to, to have a meeting? It would have been, but it's not something that I could initiate because, you know, if he would come to South Africa one would have thought maybe he would have indicated to his host, President Ramaphosa, that, look, when I come there, I think it may be a good opportunity or for even President Ramaphosa to have said, look, as you're going to be in South Africa, can't I bring you two together uh, to try and, and work this thing out, which is what others yeah. have been trying to do. But I think he probably has known, he knows about the efforts of others in the in the region and, and how they've been rejected. So he probably thought that, well, it's not going to uh, achieve much, but um, but I really don't know what would have gone on in the corridors, yeah. um, you know, of, of power in South Africa uh, when, when Masi they knew Masisi was coming here.
Yeah. Okay, let's have a listen at some of your WhatsApp voice notes that's come through on the WhatsApp line. Uh, and you can still give us a call, 86 So I think we just lost you there on our phone line. Let's see if we can try to get you back. Tommy uh, Dixon, I'm shocked by this uh, guest of yours saying Russia and China are the biggest threats to, to, to peace in the world. Instead, the biggest uh, threat to peace in the world is the United States of America and its allies. Why are we not? Why are we scared of of, of pointing fingers uh, to the onto the uh, Americans and to the, the British? Yeah, I'm not sure that President Kama said that Russia and China are the biggest threats to peace and stability in the world. I don't assume you have said that, mm. but uh, do you have a comment on what I would like to call? Western imperialism, including the United States, through organizations like NATO? You see, I, I, in fact, I did say that. I said it because Russia has invaded Ukraine. Now, you've been hearing during this conflict how there have been suggestions of the use of nuclear weapons. That is very scary because once you start using nuclear weapons, that is going to have a dramatic effect not only on those countries, but in that general uh, geographical area mm. of the world. Mm. Um, and it could pull us into a third world war. That's why I say they're a threat. China has been saber-rattling and threatening uh, Taiwan. You know, we, we know Taiwan has not been granted uh, recognition yeah. uh, with the United Nations. But surely, if China wants Taiwan back into its fault it would again engage diplomacy because China, being a member of the United Nations Security Council, which is supposed to promote international peace and security, you don't start flying your jets into the airspace and yeah. doing the performance they did when Nancy Pelosi went to visit Taiwan. You, you can just see that there's a big buildup of the military in, 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 in Taiwan and in China over this situation. So... Um, when you talked about uh, uh, about the West, I'm not aware that the EU have invaded any of its neighbors like Russia has. And Russia did it with Georgia. They've, they, 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 they took away Crimea, you know. So, yes, I'm not aware the United States have marched into any country and tried to take away its territory um, against the United Nations Charter. So when I say... And I would like to repeat it. The United Nations, the majority of countries in the United Nations have condemned Russia. It's not just me yeah. saying it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not me. The UN. Yeah. The UN themselves are saying it. Let's do one more voice note uh, on our WhatsApp voice note line. Morning, morning, Oliver. You are speaking to Emmanuel here in PE. Greetings to the former president there of Botswana. I like that man. I remember the time when Morgan Shangri was the... the President of the MDC in Zimbabwe. Hey, that man tried his utmost best to help us Zimbabweans, but he was just alone for in the war region of Sadak. He was trying to to make easy for his head that Zimbabweans are the, in Zimbabwe. There's no democracy. Mugabe is a dictator, but he was just alone. Uh, thank you very much, former president. Thank you, Emmanuel P. 
Do you want to reflect on that, Mr. President, in the last minute? Yes, no, I'd just like to thank him very much again for, for that, that comment. It's true that um, I was the one who uh, first stood up against what was going on in Zimbabwe. People there were being persecuted and, and um, they know were not able to realize the fruits of their liberation struggle um, in, you know, 10 years after into, into Mugabe's. And I just couldn't understand why all that went into the liberation struggle to free the people and give them opportunities that you had one persecutor being replaced by another one. So that's why I stood, uh, I took that role. And, and it's probably why today even, um, I know this is controversial, that five years being a former president, I've never been invited by Sadiq or the AU to lead and observe a mission to any elections on the continent or in the region. Whereas others, even within their first year of leaving office, mm. have been invited to lead observer missions, um, some more than once. And here I am, not that I'm asking for it, but I'm just, it's an observation mm. that maybe they know I will tell it like it is. <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> keep this if, man if, away. <laughs> if, if, if you were at the time the president of the country in question, would you have released the Kampepe report on the Zimbabwean elections? The, the Kampepe report, which was a judicial report into the 2006 Zimbabwe elections. Was it, 2000 and, was it 2006? What, yeah. It, was it 2004-06, somewhere there? Yeah. I mean, I mean, those elections in Zimbabwe, you know, when I came into office in 2008, were rigged. The elections that took place after that were rigged. We sent Botswana observers in there. I told Mugabe in Malawi once that his elections had rigged them. And I said to him, and he said to me, well, what examples are you talking about? I said, you had people on the voters' roll, who were dead, and he admitted it. I said, you released the voters' roll on the eve of the elections, not giving uh, the opposition yeah. parties an opportunity to scrutinize uh, the voters' roll. That's rigging. That's a form of rigging, where you're trying to disadvantage. And there are whole other things I brought to his attention. I don't have them all at the top of my mind. So democracy sometimes in some countries is only good enough until your incumbency is threatened. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, we've run out of time. When are you going home? Um, I'm working on three things I've been saying. My medical, yeah. my will, and the dossier. And the medical, so that if I'm poisoned and they say I died of natural causes, people would know that this was not true. I've done the medical last week. And... I've been passed as healthy. So if I go You're home... good health? Yes, That's I good. am, fortunately. And if anything happens to me after I get back home and they said, no, he wasn't well, he had underlying conditions, then you know it's not true. Uh, my will had to be up to date if they managed to carry out what they want to do. The dossier. This is a dossier. It's a compilation, an account of what's the abuse of power, the misrule that has taken place in Botswana over the last five years, which I'm going to uh, circulate within the region to the media, yeah. like yourselves, and then also give to political parties to use in their campaigns at our elections, and will also be the basis to holding them to account in our courts after the elections. How soon can I get that dossier? I've, I've got a draft, actually, as we speak. Oh, great. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. President, thank you so much for your time. Really, really You're do appreciate it. It's been nice all the best. to you. It's Thank two you. minutes after 11 o'clock. I'm so sorry. And Musa has your news.